When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Robert Duran Jr. and you're listening to Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Welcome to episode 38 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. My name is Sean Bastow, your host as always, and this week I am joined by a special co-host in Hamed Zaman. Hamed, how's it going? Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you, Sean. How's it going? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. And thank you for stepping in at the last minute. Uh, Cahal Jennings can't be with us today, so Hamed has come on. Uh, He's been on various different podcasts. Hamed, do you want to tell us a little bit about what other podcasts you've been on? Yeah, I used to be on BDA Boxing, uh, which is a, a podcast which they st- still is going on YouTube, which they do live debates and sometimes just do podcast segments. And I, w- I was also on Split D Boxing, which is uh, like a weekly podcast. And I recently was on uh, a writer who goes by the name of Cameron Gillen. Uh, and I was on his podcast a couple of times. But at the moment, I'm kind of stepped down. But it's, it's, really, it's a real honour to get back on the podcast. No, I appreciate you stepping in and coming on today. And it's a it's it's a midweek one. We normally record on a Monday night, but today we're recording on Wednesday. As as we're recording, the next gen show is currently on, and we, I'm currently watching it on the other screen at the moment. And we've got the, uh, the a couple of good fights to, to briefly touch on today. But we're also going to be focusing on the big one this weekend. Uh, there's two big ones this weekend. In fact, we've got the return of Tyson Fury, and then we've also got the big fight over in the US of A, which is Terry. Crawford and Jeff Horn, which should be a cracking fight. So we'll get we'll get straight onto it. Let's let's talk about briefly what's going on now at the moment. We've got the next gen show, and as I'm looking on the screen next to me, I can see uh, the debut of I can't pronounce his name. He's Dan, Danny Danny Sai Yelusiov. I'm the worst Hamed at pronouncing names. Yeah. So I've got him on coming in at the moment. But the main fight on this card, which we're really looking forward to, is the Luke Watkins and Lawrence Akolai fight, which we'll uh, we'll. Bring Briefly touch on first, Ahmed, and, and discuss that because we've had Luke on the show a couple of times now, and it's, it's really good to see him get this great opportunity. But he's in with a really tough test tonight against Lawrence Coley, who seems to be the favourite, complete favourite to win this one tonight. Obviously, uh, Luke's the Commonwealth champion, and we've got Lawrence Coley, who's got the I think it's the WBO Intercontinental title. But 
I, what I want to know really is is how do you feel this one's going to go tonight, Hamid? Uh, after Lawrence Akoli's last fight, uh, I'm not too sure why he's such a big favourite. I think I've seen clips of Luke Watkins. He seems like a, you know, a good boxer, and uh, he seems like a nice guy. I've heard him on the podcast before, but Akoli in his last fight, uh, I still haven't watched that full fight. I was watching the Gassiev and Ortigas fight. I watched a bit of the first five rounds. I thought it was really hard to watch that fight. It just uh, started them gel up with uh, Isaac Chamberlain. But I think. Uh, in a way, for me, I think uh, Akoli needs to win me over in this fight. Uh, how I see it going, I think Akoli is rightly the favourite. I think he he's passed the eye test when I've seen him in his first couple of fights. He could he could punch. I mean, the hype uh, behind him. I mean, it is real. He is a talent and a very good prospect. But in this fight, uh, I think if Watkins could survive the early rounds, I think it could be an interesting fight. I think Akoli has shown he's really dangerous early on in a lot of his fights, even against Chamberlain. When he dropped him, but then after that, he just became a bit of a drag lunch. Yeah, it wasn't the best fight, was it? I think uh, a lot of people were expecting a lot out of that fight, and we've, we've covered it in previous episodes, and it kind of felt a little bit disappointing and uh, a little bit deflating, but obviously now we've got this big fight tonight, and, and Lawrence Acola is going to be looking to make a massive statement tonight. He's going to be looking to try and get Watkins out of there, I think, and I don't think it, we're going to see the same style of fight, because we've got two different type of fighters in there, but you can't write someone, yeah. like, you can't write someone like Lou Watkins off here because he's a Commonwealth champion and he's Commonwealth champion for a reason so this is a massive fight for him if he wins tonight he's he's knocking the favourite off the perch and, and potentially puts himself in line for another big fight but a little bit of uh, background gossip for, on this one was actually this fight was uh, offered to Tony Conquest first and he was going to take the fight but then he switched it and picked Lou Watkins instead so Tony Conquest is going to be watching this one very very closely because he really is looking for a big fight and there's a lot of rumours about him potentially fighting Isaac Chamberlain as well so that cruiserweight domestic scene at the moment is 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 really hot and we're really looking forward to seeing where these guys go and it's going to be a really good fight this one tonight I'm really really looking forward to it so I, I want to move on I don't want to spend too much time on this particular show because it is live as we're live at the moment so I want to move on and, and talk about some of the other big stuff going on this week there's the massive 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 fights um, in terms of Crawford and Horn and the return of the Mac Tyson Fury I wouldn't say I, w- I, would, I wouldn't say that's a massive fight because we've seen his opponent I think everybody's seen his opponent uh, the workout yesterday and there's a massive size difference there in between them and I think we know how this fight's going to go but how good is it to see him in shape and see him back in the ring I think it's very good uh, for boxing. I mean, the heavyweight division, I still don't think uh, it's as good as it was in the 80s and 90s, but I mean, it's definitely much more healthy and better. I mean, he kind of failed in during the Klitschko era, and I think with Wilder and Joshua, who are probably on a big collision course, uh, who are both undefeated and uh, heavyweight champions, arguably one and two, you could say, uh, definitely, I think uh, they're one and two. And then, I mean, with Fury back, I think if Fury could get a couple of wins, I mean, you have three giant heavyweight, all three different, uh, completely different characters. I mean, just to mix and match all of those guys will turn into some mega fights. And I think Fury just 
he needs to just show that he hasn't uh, lost a step and he just needs to win this fight and, you know, just look uh, good or if not better than he's looked before. I think he might be quite rusty, but I mean, against opponent he's fighting, uh, I don't think there'll be much trouble. I think the only thing is it might, it could possibly go rounds, but I've not, I've not like heard anyone that's really been uh, too like keen on his opponent as in a, for him to be in a competitive fight. I think on paper and in terms of what people have seen of his opponent, I think it probably is a mismatch. But I mean, Fury has been out the ring for a couple of years, so I think maybe the timing of it will will see how Fury looks. But I expect Fury to win. But it's great that he's back. Yeah, it is great that he's back, and I think everybody knows this is just a, a test to see where he's at at this moment in time. He's got all the physical advantages over his opponent, Safari here, and and I think it's quite obvious that we're going to expect a victory for Tyson Fury here. I'd be very shocked if the tables went the other way around. He looks in top form. His movement, his footwork, you know, looking at the, the clips that are being put out on social media, he looks uh, on, on top form for me and I, I think he'll do really well. I think we'll see a good performance from him on Saturday and that's when people are going to want to start talking about the bigger fights again, aren't they? And they're going to want to start talking about the, the likes of Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder and people are going to start jumping on that bandwagon, bandwagon pretty quick again I think because he's, he's been missed in boxing he's a character he's a real character and he's a guy love him or hate him he brings attention to the sport sometimes in the past it's not always been the right attention but he's brought attention to the sport and he's put the sport of boxing out there and a lot of people are hyped for this a lot of people want to see where this goes and you know what will this comeback bring I mean we've seen comebacks in the past where they've not gone the way a lot of people want them to go and now we're in a position where we he's young enough to come again and we can now actually see how far he can go in this one who would you like to see him in with now after this if, if he comes through this on Saturday what what type of fights do you want to see him in before he goes in with the big boys uh, I'd love to see the Dilla White fight uh, depending on if, if Dilla White uh, wins say his next fight uh, is it against Kubra Pulev I wouldn't mind but I, d- I don't think that's probably realistic I think the route that uh, Dilla White is going in is probably eking a title shot or trying to become a mandatory challenger if I could choose pick and choose I mean it's a very kind of fringe top 10 contenders uh, I mean I wouldn't mind seeing the, uh, Fury fighting someone like Dominic Brazil or someone like like I said Dylan White or if he could get if he could get if they could make the Tony Bellew fight even though I, I think that's uh, size wise that's not uh, not a fair matchup I don't think Bellew is a heavyweight but I mean if it's Fury's second fight coming back comeback fight then I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight as well yeah I'd love to see that fight Hamed I think it'd be a really really good fight uh, Tony Bellew Tyson Fury I have talked about this one before and people ask over this one actually happening but I'm not I think it's a genuine fight and Tony Bellew's at the end of his career now he wants big paydays he wants his to finish his career with a lot of money to secure that future for the family that he talks about so much in the interviews so this is a, a realistic fight now I think if you would have talked about this fight two years ago you would have been looking at each other and going get out of here this ain't going to happen but realistically it can happen now so I agree with you I do I, th- I think these are the type of fights you need before he starts going in with the likes of Andy Joshua and Deontay Wilder who have been a lot more active than he has I'm not saying that he can't beat him because I think a fully fit Tyson Fury a Tyson Fury that we've seen against Vladimir Klitschko could beat either of them two men and I genuinely believe that I genuinely believe he's got the skills and the footwork and the ability and the speed for a heavyweight to, to be able to beat these two guys I really do I genuinely believe it and you know maybe I'll be 
I'll eat my words one day but I, I, I'm standing by that comment and I've stood by it for quite a long time now and I do believe if he gets in the ring with Anthony Joshua in particular he'll definitely beat him he'll outbox him Anthony Joshua for me as good as he is he can be very static at times very uh, full on sort of European style where it's just straight on he had he had to box against Parker we've seen that but I think against someone like Tassi Fio you can move like he can I think that's where he's going to really come into problems and, and it's a fight I'm really looking forward to in the future so the Tyson Fury fight this weekend it's one of the great fights that are on this card but I think one of the fights that's kind of slipping down the card a little bit and is, is probably the biggest fight for me is Terry Flanagan going for a second world championship at a new weight against Maurice Hooker that, that's a really really good fight and being from Manchester myself you know I'm fully behind him this is a really great fight for Terry Flanagan I, obviously I really want him to win it but he's got a great opponent a great opponent who's probably relatively unknown to people over here against Maurice Hooker but he certainly talks a good game and Terry Flanagan then Hamid what do you think about him as a fighter what have you seen of him so far and do, have you seen anything Maurice Hooker as well uh, I think I've been impressed with Terry, Terry Franken I think he's one of the most underrated uh, uh, world champions <coughs> sorry world champions we've got here in the UK the only thing is the market and I think the way he's been promoted has been a, ve- a very bad job by Frank Warren I think Frank Warren could have done much better with him I think he hasn't really given him the promotion he deserved the fights he could have got him I mean, some of the blame, I think, will have to fall on other promoters. Like, I think the, the crawler flanagan fight should have happened, which is a really bad shame that it didn't. And I think if that fight happened, I think, and Flanagan win, won, I think he would have probably have won that fight. His, uh, his promote, uh, promote, he would have been promoted much, much like better in the future. Cause with that, his marketability would have went up. His uh, value in, with the casual fans would have went even higher. I think at the moment, he's still not a household name here. And I think even in Manchester, I don't think he's that well-known. But as a fighter, I think I've been very impressed with him. I think he did a very good job on Magdaleno, which was, I think, a couple of years ago. I think he's beaten some very good fighters. I think it was Peter Pet- Petr Petrov, if I'm pronouncing it right. And I think he's beaten a couple of other guys. Uh, his opponent, uh, Maurice Hooker, I think he was hyped up by Rock Nation a couple of years ago when he fought on the Shagar Kovlev, Andre Ward undercard. But I think, uh, I don't think he's... I don't think many people have been sold on him because I don't think he looked that good that night and I think majority of the people thought that Pedali's Perez was robbed in that fight. I mean, the Kovalev Ward decision was controversial, but that decision on the undercard was probably the worst decision of the night because I think a lot of people thought that Dali's Perez won eight or seven rounds clearly and one of the judges managed to give uh, Maurice Hooker about eight rounds. I think that was a bad decision. I think uh, Flanagan is the clear favourite in this fight. But, I mean, it's a good fight. Uh, I think Hooker has got some skills. If he could up his game, then, I mean, it could turn into a real fight. But I think uh, Terry Flanagan should win this, probably comfortably on points. Well, that's that's what I'm expecting. But, you know, just never know. I mean, we've seen in recent weeks with the likes of Isaac Dogbo, who I've mentioned quite a few times on the podcast because of the way they've just kind of come from relatively unknown on the world stage to then really announcing themselves by picking up these great victories in the past few weeks. So you never know. But my, my head tells me that Terry Flanagan has got too much for Maurice Hooker and that he goes on to bigger and better things. Now he's moved up in weight. Now he's at the super lightweight division. The, there is a lot of other opportunities out there for him now I mean will we ever get to see the fight with Crawler I probably I probably doubt it now I think they're, they're both at the stages of the career where they're looking at different things and it's a shame really that we, we never get to see that fight 
but moving on for, for Terry he's had an opportunity they twice twice offered the Linares camp to fight him and Linares Linares's camp said no now this is coming from the word of Terry Flanagan's camp when I spoke to Terry Flanagan's trainer Steve Mailer he was telling me that they've twice offered the fight to Linares and this was at lightweight and twice he refused it and for me it's a shame for Terry because he deserves a big, big fight. Because everybody's saying, "Yeah, but who's he beat? Who's he beat? All right, he's beat uh, an old Derry Matthews, and uh, he's beat Magdalena, who was past his best at that point. And you can arguably say they are the best two wins on his record, but he's just not getting the opportunities, and and that's the problem. Because I think a lot of it boils down to the fact that he's he's not the most charismatic of characters when you when you do interviews with him and he gets a lot of stick for the fact that he's kind of he does kind of speak in this sort of one tone and he, he doesn't make the interviews as exciting as what others might make him and he I don't think he sells himself enough and, and for me that's the that's a lot of the issue and part and part parcel of the business is to, to, to become more successful to become that elite level you've got to really really sell yourself I mean look at the the greats of of, of Ali and you know people like Floyd Mayweather going back people either loved him or they hated him for whatever reason but they could talk their way into fights and they could talk their way through fights and and make the business side of it you know, good and and promote it, and and that's what I think. Going back to Terry Flanagan, is he's, he's kind of missing from that side for me. Is that there's no major like big promotion, no controversy. I think if you throw a bit of controversy in there, maybe you might start to get more attention from the world fighters. You know, in the super lightweight division, people might think, you know what, I fancy a bit of Terry Flanagan. I'll even come over to England to fight him as well. And that that's that's for me what's missing with Flanagan at the moment. Not his boxing ability. His boxing ability is brilliant. He's just not had the opportunity in the right stage to be able to showcase it and that's why people are saying well he's he's, he's, he's not going to do anything he's not going to pr- produce anything special but how, how do we know we really don't because he's not been given the opportunity to do so so I mean, I'm looking forward to it I think it's a massive fight a massive fight for Manchester big fight for Terry and this card and I, I personally really hope he does the job and he, you know he gets that second world championship in a second weight he'll be a two weight world champion you know two weight world yeah. champion that, that's fantastic achievement for anybody in the career so that's what we're looking at and I hope that he comes through that on, on Saturday night but in terms of future opponents Hamed who could you see Terry Flanagan fighting in the future should he come through Maurice Hooker on Saturday I think uh this is Terry Flanagan's turn, so he has to win and he has to try and look good. But first thing first, he has to need to get he needs to get the win because I mean he could become a two way champion. For future opponents, I think uh, I I never knew too much about the whole Lenara situation because uh, I don't I don't really follow the business side. Like I, I'm not too close with that because obviously uh, I I don't really know Flanagan's team personally. But I was gonna say if Lenares did kind of avoid him to get a, like a bigger payday. Uh, to get Lomachenko, then I understand where Leonardo has come from. But if Frank Warren, BT, and Flanagan's team could get the fight to Lomachenko, because now that Lomachenko is a lightweight, I mean, that's a massive fight to win, lose, or draw. I mean, to get that, I mean, he'll put his name on the map. But facing things, he needs to beat Maurice Hooker. But I mean, the lightweight division is interesting. you got other fighters in that division as well. So I think the first thing he needs to do is try and win this fight. But I mean, you got Lomachenko. If I'm looking through the other fighters in that weight class, uh, I think it's Ray Beltran as well. He's a champion at that weight class, which would have not been a, is not a bad fight as well. 
Well, th- well, this one, this one on Saturday, oh, he's, this one. it's it's a super, oh, yeah, it's a super light, like, super lightweight, isn't it? The old light welterweight division. So I think we we, we want to look at we want to look at the sort of super welterweight division and see, you know, what sort of fighters are in there. And if you look at what what was previously in there, you had the likes of Terence Crawford, uh, Julius Ndongo. You know, you've got people like Ricky Burns still floating around up there as well. You know, he, he's dabbled at that division before. Yeah, you've also got the likes of. Um, People like Chris Algieri. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got mixed up because I've always thought of Flanagan as a lightweight. I, I kind of got mixed up. So I mean, the light welterweight. Yeah, that's a good division. Now that Crawford's moved up, I mean, you got Progre in there. You got you got Josh Taylor as well. You got uh, the Ramirez kid who's been promoted by top rank. I mean, light welterweight is a or if you call it super lightweight, whatever you prefer, it's a very good, healthy division. I mean, if Flanagan first things first, he needs to beat uh, Hooker and look good. If he could uh, win this fight, I mean, he he could get into some big fights in this weight class. Uh, if there's a tournament going on in this in this weight class uh, with the WBSS, then that would be really interesting. If Flanagan could get into that, because I mean, it's a very big fights in this weight class. You know, they, they, yeah, there is, and I think there was actually a rumor going around uh, a couple of months back that they're potentially going to look at this division uh, as as the division to, to 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 go for in the future for these type of fighters. And you've got the likes of um, Terry Flanagan, you've got the likes of Josh Taylor, who's fighting Victor Postol in a couple of weeks' time. You know, there's, there's someone like him could get thrown into this tournament. Uh, you've got a lot of really good fighters in that particular division, and I think that's what I think a world boxing super series super lightweight tournament would be perfect for someone like Terry Flanagan we've got if you look back in Terry Flanagan's past he was a former prize fighter winner as well so he's an undefeated fighter who's uh, potentially going to be a second uh, weight world champion as well as a prize fighter winner as well as a British champion so to be fair to him when you put it like that he's doing quite a lot really behind closed doors and not a lot of people are getting to see it and I think it's now time for him really to come out and this is a perfect opportunity for him picks up the win here we're really looking at uh, you know a, a big fight for him in the future i think but let's focus on what else is on that card because that particular card hamed is is absolutely stacked from top to bottom and when i was looking through it today i know there's loads of fights that have been announced and i was looking through it and thinking so you've got tyson fury on there you've got terry flanagan you've got the heavyweight prospect nathan gorman fighting sean turner you've got a really good fight in troy williamson and jack flatley two undefeated prospects who fought each other in the amateur uh, you've got the likes of Cruiserweight Jack Massey, uh, Zelfa Barrett coming off the back of his first loss to Ronnie Clark's on the card. We've got Sam Maxwell, Lyndon Arthur, Jordan Thompson. We've even got crossover star Jack McGann, MMA star Jack McGann, making his professional debut on this card. And then you've got the likes of Hosea Burton's brother Zach Burton making his debut, and Alex Dickinson, you know, heavyweight prospect again. So there's so many fights that are on this card this week, and it is a really stacked card from top to bottom. But I want to focus on another little uh, event with this show this weekend is it's on BT Sport but it's not on Box Nation what's all that about? This this has really got me annoyed because I'm a subscriber to Box Nation and I, I've kind of been disappointed with uh, some of the uh, like fights they missed out I mean the Superfly 2 card uh, Box Nation failed to pick up but they also didn't manage to pick up uh, I think Dan Garcia Brandon Rios fight but with this uh They've always uh, shown fights on Box Nation and on BT. I'm not too sure why this fight isn't on Box Nation. First, there was a rumor that Tyson Fury's return could be on pay-per-view, but 
we all knew that wasn't going to happen. I mean, to fight someone like that in his first comeback fight to be on pay-per-view was a, like, you know, a big ask. I don't think many people would be digging in their pockets to pay for <laughs> yeah. pay-per-view for that type of fight. But, I mean, I, I don't understand the deal with the Box Nation and BT with this fight. I mean, have you heard anything like our BT and Box Nation going separate well, ways or is this just a one-off? It's, it, I've not heard a lot about it. I think it, it, I know it's enraged a lot of people on social media. I know that's for sure because you see everybody on Twitter uh, are absolutely furious with this decision to do this because the people people pay for the Box Nation channel and then you now if you're not a BT Sport subscriber on the Sky or the Virgin networks, then you've got to pay more money to have this channel added to your package to be able to pay for this. So essentially, you're paying for things like Sky Sports to watch the Eddie Hearn shows. You're paying for Box Nation to what you think you're going to be watching Frank Warren shows. And now you've got to pay for BT Sport as well. And on top of that, you get your World Boxing Super Series and ITV Box Office. So you're just shelling out, you know, pounds after pounds after pounds to kind of try and catch all the best boxing you can. And it's no wonder people turn to illegal streaming to, 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 to watch boxing because literally... You're talking anything between twenty to forty pound a month here with the amount of boxing that's going on. It's it's absolutely ludicrous. And I, I when I started subscribing to Box Nation as well, you know, you're thinking to yourself, this is going to be a really, really fantastic channel, and it's brought some really, really good fights over the years. But now that it kind of feels like they're kind of trying to throw it over to BT Sport, and do you think that Box Nation is going to kind of phase out now? And and with this bigger deal with BT Sport, is going to be where Warren wants to go, and you know, with it being on BT Sport and BT Sport getting things like the Champions League, and you know, they've got a load of more Premier League matches next year signed. It's it kind of feels like Warren's edging more towards. BT Sport because it's a direct competitor with Sky Sports which should again make him a direct competitor with Eddie Hearn on Sky Sports with with their shows it kind of feels like that's where they're going with it for me and if that's that's, the only people that are suffering for this is is fans is the boxing fans the people that want to watch boxing they're the ones that are suffering because they're the ones that have to go out and, and pay more money for it that, that, that's what has annoyed me about it is if this is the way it's going to go then it, it's, you're robbing fans basically you're robbing the fans of, of yeah, uh, yeah it, that, that's a good point I was going to say I'm not too, I haven't really been too impressed with these uh, Frank Warren uh, cards on BT and Box Nation when he's done those joint cards so I'm not too sure if BT are thinking they want to try and get away from Box Nation and try and do something on their own because, I mean, they might... If they if they have cards on their own, just on their own channel, maybe they have more say into the what kind of matchups they want to uh, put on their channel because, I mean, some of the fights... I've not, uh, I've not been, like, honestly, not too impressed. I mean, we've had the odd few, don't get me wrong, good fights. I mean, they managed to get Javante Davis here to fight Liam Walsh, which I thought was a good card. And they managed to put on the Golovkin-Canelo fight on both of their platforms but I think uh, also what hasn't really helped is a lot of Frank Warren shows have been cancelled and with the Billy Joe Saunders situation as well uh, this is not going to help when a lot of these cards uh, keep getting either delayed or cancelled I mean you had the Martin Murray and Billy Joe Saunders fight scheduled twice and it's been uh, postponed and now I think it's completely off I don't think Billy Joe Saunders is going to go ahead with it when stuff like this happens I mean they are robbing the fans as well but the Netflix as well uh, with the channels I don't think like it'll really help 
uh, BT or even Box Nation in a week. No, I, I totally agree. But like I was saying earlier, the card, to be fair, if, if you want to watch a lot of local prospects, especially around the Northwest, I mean, you've got a lot of Northwest fighters on there this weekend, so it's really, really good. And you've got also Mark Heffron, who's 19-0 and middleweight, fighting Andrew Robinson for the WBC, I think it's the WBC International Belt he's fighting for, which essentially, to, to people that don't know what that actually is, it's, it's a rankings belt. So if Mark wins this fight against Andrew Robinson, who's no slouch, then he essentially gets himself up into that middleweight rankings, which is brilliant for him because he's really looking to push on now. At the age of 26, you're expecting him to, to move on. He's ranked seventh in, in domestic at the moment, in domestic scene, and you've got the likes of Tommy Langford, Jason Wellborn, who recently won the British title, and then you've got Liam Cameron, Jack Arnfield, Martin Murray and Billy Joe Saunders. They're the only other fighters that are, are, are actually ranked above him at the moment. So if he wins this, this is this is a massive win for him and, and it's definitely a massive win for, for a lot of the local guys anyway uh, this weekend. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Mark Heffron back in the ring as well. And he's been training obviously over at Hattons because that's where he trains and he's seen people like Tyson Fury, Nathan Gorman. You know, you've got a lot of really good fighters coming through there at the moment. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Mark Heffron on this card this weekend as well so it, overall Hamed it's a, it's a stat card do you feel yeah, like yeah. Do, do you feel like it's do you feel like it's a bit more value for money than it was say on the Warrington Selby card the other week I, I think uh, I think obviously the main event with Selby Warrington was so big and so good like the whole fight I mean that was a fight that I mean uh, wanted to see and was looking forward to for a while like over a year but I think the card of this is a good card don't get me wrong I mean with Tyson Fury as well back him alone he could sell a card like uh, but uh, I think uh, this is a good card the names you've mentioned are really good I mean I've been sold on a lot of these prospects. I think they're very good. I mean, I'm interested to see how Zelfa Barrett looks. I think he was a very good prospect. I still think he's got time to, you know, get back on track, but it'll be good to see how he uh, responds to, because I think the, uh, the last fight, when he lost, I don't think he looked that good. Like, And I think this is a chance to to kind of redeem himself but uh, top to bottom I think is a good card yeah absolutely I totally agree and um, this is what I'm looking forward to this weekend but the thing is it's not the only big piece of boxing on over the weekend a fight which I think over here because of all the stuff going on at the moment over in Britain with all the cards I think we're all forgetting about the Terence Crawford and Jeff Horn fight this weekend as well that that is a that's a huge fight that that's an absolutely huge fight that's going on this weekend and I think he's definitely falling slightly under the radar you know and I think when you when you look through what the fights fights are on this weekend, you think, uh, yeah, you've got this fight, got and then you see Jeff Horn versus Terence Crawford, which is for the WBO welterweight title, and you think to yourself, actually, this is a really really good fight because obviously Terence Crawford, as we know, is one of the top pound for pound fighters in the world. Jeff Horn, however, was a fighter who, who you you know a couple of years ago you didn't know who the hell he was because he was just making his name, building himself up over in Australia, and then when Manny Pacquiao went over, you you were kind of expecting Manny Pacquiao to win that fight. And I think some people thought he did win that fight back in 2017. But Jeff Horn got the nod. And since then, he's gone on to beat Gary Corcoran. And now he fights one of the elite fighters in Terence Crawford this weekend. And does anybody give this guy a chance? Does, does, you know, realistically, do you think Jeff Horn could actually do something this weekend against Terence Crawford? I think... I'll get to that in one second. I just want to make a couple of points. I think this fight has definitely gone under the radar. I mean, in America, it's not even on the main ESPN uh, channels. They put it on a stream. I think that is uh, 
very bad. I think they could have marketed this a bit better. I mean, you you wanna you wanna put this on prime time on you know ESPN rather than putting it on an app, which they gotta I think pay extra five dollars. I think it's good box station to pick it up. I think. This is by far the probably fight I'm most looking forward to. Whether or not like it turns into a classic, but just on I'm not too sure, but just on paper, I think it's a great fight. I really want to see how Terence Crawford looks at welterweight. I think Jeff Horn is a he, he's a, a quality champion. I mean, for him to go uh, go and fight, I think it was Randall Bailey when he fought a couple of years ago when he fought. I think it was in Australia. For him to go in that fight and get dropped and get back up and. He, him to pull through that fight and uh, stop Bailey, I thought was very impressive. And then for him to beat Pacquiao, even though I thought Pacquiao won that fight, nonetheless, I thought he definitely surprised me. I, I thought that was going to be a mismatch. Or I thought Pacquiao was going to stop him inside eight or nine rounds. But he definitely put up a fight. I thought it was a close fight. I wouldn't really call it a robbery. I thought Pacquiao won. I think it was kind of a, more of a hometown decision. I thought he could have argued for a draw. But in this fight against Crawford, I see a couple of things. Uh, I think the referee could make a big difference. I think Horn is a very, a very judicious inside fighter. He, he likes to rough people up and he likes to fight on the inside. If the referee allows him to fight on the inside as long as it's clean, I think we could be in a we could be in for an interesting fight. But I think Crawford is obviously the more favorite fighter. His pedigree and what he's achieved so far in, in his career, I think rightly so, he is the favorite. But I think uh, even as a pound for pound fighter, I think uh, you can't really write off Crawford. But I think. I'd say one thing with this fight, will Crawford be able to carry his power up to welterweight? So that's the question I got. I think Crawford probably should win this on points, but I'm not too sure if he could, if Horn could beat him because I think Crawford is just more, much more naturally skilled. But I got, the main question I got is, uh, is will Crawford be able to stop him? I think it's quite possible that he could stop him. You said it before there, Hamed, about him carrying power. Does he carry the power of a put well away? Well, we're going to find out, aren't we, on Saturday? And I think that's good. That's the exciting thing. We've seen him dismantle uh, Julius and Dungo in that fight. Uh, he dismantled him completely, and he looked really powerful. So I'm really looking forward to seeing if this move up to well away to 147, this extra half a stone, is it going to make a difference? Is he going to parry the, carry the power up? And is he still going to keep that same speed and timing? I mean, we've seen great fighters over the years, elite fighters move up through the weights. People like Tommy Hearns moved up, you know, eventually ended up at like light heavyweight, I think, at one point at the end of his career. So, you know, considering he started out as a lightweight, it just goes to show you that people can move up and still carry power and still, you know, be as effective as they were down in the lower divisions. But we'll see. We'll see on Saturday night whether he can come through it. I think in my in my head, I feel that Crawford wins this. <clears throat> I feel he's a more skilled fighter. He's a, he's a more slicker fighter. I think Horn is a very busy fighter. He likes to rough him up, like you say, on the inside. Likes to get really rough and tumble with him. But I think with Crawford, he's just too slick. His footwork, he probably won't even let Jeff Horn get anywhere near him. That's what I'm expecting on Saturday night. And I expect him to, to win and become a world champion at yet another weight. And I think that'll be, again, a really, really good achievement for him. I think that'll be that, the third weight he's won a world title at now. I think that's, again, he, yeah. he's done it in a short space of time as well. He's, he's, he's really progressing through the ranks and through the weights pretty quickly. So, really looking forward to seeing that one. But, it's, it's quite a big bill. You know, if you look at the bill, you've got the likes of Shakur Stevenson on the card on that as well. And you've got the likes of uh, Jose Benavides Jr. there on that one. And you look to what else he's on in America. And on Friday night in America, you've got uh, the, I think it's the nephew of Oscar De La Hoya, Diego De La Hoya, uh, who's currently 
20 and 0 at the moment in the bantamweight division. He's fighting on Friday night as well. So you've got some some really good stuff going on there over in America this weekend as well. And uh, I think if you if I, if I was looking at fights over the weekend to look at, you'd obviously British wise, you're going to be looking at the card we've talked about earlier with the return of Tyson Fury. But if you're looking at good great fights over you know in in, in foreign countries and you're looking at USA, you're definitely going to be looking at the Crawford fight. But definitely take a look at the undercard as well because there's some really good fighters on there and it won't be long before we start to see them crop up in these podcasts because you're going to be looking at these as future potential champions because a lot of them have got a lot of potential and I'm really looking forward to seeing how far these guys can go so it's going to be a really really great night for boxing I think uh, on Saturday night I'm I'm really excited to sort of see where this takes us in terms of the world scene especially the Crawford and Horn fight anyway because I think a lot of people a lot of people want to see uh, Crawford in, in with another elite fighter and I think that's what everybody's vying for this weekend but what what about you I mean with Crawford again we'll go back to Crawford and Horn what do you think would be the next step for Crawford if he picks up the victory on Saturday I think Crawford is good with his back I think uh, I was just going to say one thing I think Crawford we, we could probably find out if he is one of the best power power fighters I think he is definitely a top three power power fighter he's probably going to claim here if he wins emphatically to make a claim he's arguably the number one or number two probably number one you could say but I'd like to if he wins I'd like to see him fight Errol Spence down the line that's the big fight but uh, for the time being I wouldn't mind seeing him fight uh, yeah, I mean Pacquiao's fight Manny Pacquiao is back I think in July fighting Lucas Matisse uh, if if they can't make that Pacquiao Lomachenko fight which uh, I think Bob Arum and Top Rank have tried to hype up and have been rumbling on about and I wouldn't mind seeing the Pacquiao Crawford fight once and for all because I mean uh, they'll have both of what uh, Jeff Horn and if Crawford could do a number then I mean that'd be interesting fight I think Crawford is probably a big favourite over Pacquiao at this stage of Pacquiao's career but I'm interested to see Crawford fight whoever he wants in this uh, in this welterweight division because I think with Crawford coming into the picture this just adds uh, even more spice I mean you got Errol Spence and then you got Keith Herman as well who's yet to come back who's been on a long layoff but then you got Danny Gar- I see and Sean Porter were lined up to fight. I mean, these are some very good fighters and you can make some very great fights if you mix and match uh, all of these guys. Well, let's move on then. Let's talk about the other two big fights that are on over in America this weekend. Firstly, in the super welterweight division, we've got Jamel Charlo against Austin Trout, which is for the WBC World Super Welterweight title. Really good fight. Jamel Charlo, one of the Charlo brothers, which has been mentioned on the podcast in the last few weeks, as they seem to be the brothers that are starting to take over boxing a little bit in them lower weight and Jamel 30-0 at the moment all I can say is I think he's going to pick this victory up on Saturday night this is another really real good fight and we were talking about Jarrett Hurd last week on the podcast and a potential fight with Jarrett Hurd and Kale Brook but actually Jamel Charlo and Jarrett Hurd that that would be a real exciting fight he has to get through Austin Trout on Saturday Austin Trout he's he's no slouch whatsoever 31 victories only 4 defeats on his record and he's only actually last uh, lost to the likes of Jarrett Hurd and Jamal Charlo, the brother of Jamel. So you, you think about the type of fighters he's been in with, and you've got Arislandi Lara on that record, Saul Alvarez, Canelo Alvarez there as well. So Austin Trout's only really been in, in in the latter end of his career with real elite fighters. So this is a really, 
really, really good fight for Jamel Charlo this weekend because it kind of shows you where he's at. If you can beat someone of Austin Trout's level, it just goes to show you he's ready for the likes of Jarrett Hurd and the big boys in the super welterweight division. So I'm really looking forward to this particular fight. What do you make of the Charlo brothers, and, and in particular, Jamel Charlo fighting this weekend? I really like the Charlo brothers. I think they're very entertaining. They're good for boxing. They're like WWE characters. That's all that comes <laughs> to my mind. But the only thing is, I always get mixed up with the two brothers. And I know. One of them has moved up in weight class. I think I kind of, I kind of could separate one from the other. I think this is, uh, I'd say, more of a stay busy fight. I'm, I'm not saying the Trout is a slouch. I just feel Trout is towards the back end of his career. I thought he did very well against Jared Hood for the first eight, to seven, eight rounds. I thought he was up about four, two, or five one after six, but then he, I thought he looked quite bad towards the end, and I thought Hood kind of hurt him uh, really badly and stopped him towards the end. I thought Trout was going to retire after. That fight because he kind of uh, got stopped on his stool and it was no shame in losing to Hood but the way he ended I thought he was kind of busted up and uh, beaten up and I thought that would probably be the end of his career because he's been around for quite a while he, he's still a very uh, credible opponent and a decent fighter in the uh, junior middleweight division I think this is his probably last chance I mean if if there's another bad defeat or uh, a beating on from Charlo then I think he probably w- won't be a player in that division I think for Charlo I think if Charlo gets this win I think the big fight is with him and Jared Hood. Uh, I'm not too sure though what Jared Hood's next move will because uh, I've heard he, he wants to fight Carl Brook so uh, I'm not too sure what direction Charlo will be going but I think Charlo should win this fight uh, I think he should stop uh, Trout as well it's, it's quite a possibility I mean you look at like you say the fights we've heard you know retired on his stool you've got the fights with Charlo's uh, other brother which is Jamal Charlo who, who also stopped him in that fight as well so it's you kind of feel like this is where it's going to go and I think, you, I think you're pretty much right in what you're saying I think we'll expect a victory for Jamal Charlo this weekend but at the top of that particular bill is Leo Santa Cruz and Abner Mares in their rematch which uh, it will be a really good fight to watch don't get me wrong I'm, I am excited to watch this type of fight again but I do kind of feel like it's a bit pointless for Leo Santa Cruz at this stage of his career don't really see what what value he's got in taking this one it, kind of, it feels like a situation where he's he needs to fight and he needs to be re- you know active ready for another big fight in the featherweight division and it just seems like Abnermares was the man to be able to take that fight at the time because you've got the likes of you know the Frampton third fight I think a lot of people want to see the Frampton third fight and then you've got a really great scene now on the featherweight scene with the likes of Josh Warrington beating Lee Selber the other week you know there's potential for fights in the future you've still got people like Scott Quigg now floating around as well you know fights that really could be made Made. but I still think it's an exciting fight to watch and I will look forward to watching this one but I do feel Leo Santa Cruz he's kind of between him and Frampton kind of head and shoulders above a lot of the other fighters in that division and I kind of feel that the better of the two fighters is is really yet to be decided and I think we need to see that trilogy we need to see that rubber match between them they've both got one apiece and that's the fight I want to see but if you're going to be watching any boxing this weekend you want to see a cracking fight I think you want to see Leo Santa Cruz and Abner Mares uh, really good first fight Hamed are you going to watch it is it going to be a good fight what do you reckon I'll try my best to watch it this on paper uh, sorry not on paper the actual fight in the ring this is probably the best fight I think the first fight was a cracking fight I think this uh, fight uh, fighter styles gelled up I think on on stylistic 
uh, if you're going to go by stylistically, then this is the best fight uh, on the, of the weekend. Uh, I will try and watch it, but the only thing is, I'm not too sure if the, uh, any of the channels over here have picked it up. Hopefully, I think maybe if Sky Sports or Box Nation could pick it up, uh, I, I doubt Box Nation because they've got the Crawford fight. But I will be watching it. The issue I have, the only issue I have with this rematch is why has it taken three years? Uh, it was a good fight the first time round, but there's been a long spells of inactivity for both guys. I mean, when Santa Cruz fought Chris Avalos on the undercard and Mares fought, uh, I can't remember who it was, uh, on the same build, it took about eight or nine months for him to get this rematch. Uh, done. They should have. The only thing I could say, they should have tried and scheduled this rematch a bit quicker. I think you left out a name that arguably is probably the number one uh, uh, super featherweight in the d- division. I think uh, Gary Russell Jr. I'm not too sure who's the number one at the moment because I'm split. Is either I think Santa Cruz, Frampton, or Gary Russell. I think Gary Russell and Santa Cruz, if he wins this fight, need to fight. Uh, uh, as soon as possible if they could if they can't make the Frampton Santa Cruz a rubber match yeah no I agree I, I did forget about Gary Russell Jr actually and we only spoke about him last week on the episode because he had a great yeah. performance as well but yeah Gary Russell Jr another name so yeah between them three names Frampton Leo Santa Cruz and Gary Russell Jr you know and, and Warrington I mean the way Warrington dispatched of, of, of Selby in that fight and the way he, he controlled that fight for the 12 rounds for me just goes to show he, he does belong at that level and you know he, he, he could implore that style on another one of these fighters that we're talking about and, and have a cracking fight and still win it because a lot of people were saying Selby were going to completely outbox Warrington and that didn't happen it was uh, shades yeah. of it was definitely shades of Hatton and Costa Zoo back in 2005 and if he can implement that kind of style onto another fighter then he could he could pick up another really shocking victory and he could be the underdog for every fight he goes into and win him but he's another name there now so you've got four names floating around and it's a really good division at the moment the, the featherweight scene and I'm really looking forward to seeing what the outcome is going to be of obviously the, the Mares and Santa Cruz fight at the weekend because I'm expecting a Santa Cruz win but it's, it's probably the aftermath which I'm looking forward to because I'm expecting to see Santa Cruz now maybe call out someone like Gary Russell Jr or you know he might even think Josh Warrington's maybe the weaker champion of the division. Maybe look at the Josh Warrington fight. So there's there's you know there's a lot of good things to come from the featherweight division. But overall, this weekend a very 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 good weekend for boxing, and I'm glad because last weekend was so boring because there was absolutely no boxing on whatsoever. It was like the worst the worst weekend the last weekend. I mean I'm not a massive football fan. I like my football, but I was resorted to watching the Champions League final last week because there was no boxing on. And then I decided that after watching about 45 minutes 50 minutes of the game I decided to put like a couple of boxing films on then and uh, I watched uh, Raging Bull again for about the 100th time and then I decided to watch um, Plead for This again so you know it kind of kept me going for, for another week uh, ready for this this weekend but yeah, overall Hamad really good weekend for boxing isn't it? Yeah it's a really a really healthy weekend for boxing fans I mean I'm only, I normally stay up for a lot of these fights and I will be probably up uh, to watch both of these cards if I can one after the other I'll probably won't be able to I won't be able to watch them obviously at the same time because they'll probably be on at the same time as well but if they're not if I could watch them live both uh, if they are on uh, separate times then I, I'll try and do that but I'm definitely looking forward to both these fights and I'm looking forward to Tyson Fury's return I think it's very good that he's back because I think he kind of bored a lot of people 
struggling through myself. How long he was talking about his comeback, and then he just dragged on and on. And the amount of videos he was posting, uh, it's good he's back. I think we just need him to get this fight out the way. Hopefully, he wins, and then we could go on from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move on to the segment of the show which I thoroughly love, which is this week in boxing history. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over! Mamma mia, he's done it! Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko! So, I've got quite a few good ones to go through with you this week, Hamed. I think you'll uh, enjoy talking about these ones in particular. So, I always go through and look at what's been going on over boxing history in the week that we're in when we record the podcast. Now, the first one that I I picked up on, which I found really, really good and a really good upset, was the 1988 upset from Iran Barkley when he knocked out Thomas Hearns in Las Vegas to win the WBC middleweight title. Uh, Barkley stopped Hearns whilst being on the brink of defeat himself. It was classed of the upset of the year in 1988 a really good fight and for for the guys that listen to the podcast if you've never seen it i'd certainly recommend going on to the good old youtube and finding this particular fight because it was a fight that if you go back and watch it 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 has shades of you know you think of the more recent epic fights like that and you look at corrales castillo rings a bell for me and the first gatti ward fight it is kind of like that that, them style of fights and i think if you love them style of fights you'll love this fight so 1988 and it was on the 6th of june aaron barkley knocked out thomas hitman hearns so let's look at another one then and i think there's so much that went on uh, this this week in boxing history it was it's absolutely ridiculous another one from 1996 on the 7th of june was the, a, ch- a changing of the guard oscar de la hoya knocking out julio cesar chavez in four rounds to win the super lightweight title i don't know how much you go back hammered in boxing history and how much you look at some of the fights in years gone by but i certainly i certainly remember this fight uh this one being a uh, you know the young lion against the the old warrior champion and it was it was when oscar de la hoya really really came to fruition as, as a really big fighter and not long after that i think it was about 99 he ends up fighting in Trinidad in the fight of the century it was billed but this was a really really great fight for De La Hoya but when you look at Chavez it was kind of you looked at him and you felt like I think he went on a bit too long at this point because he absolutely got battered from pillar to post in this one is this one you've ever caught up with at all? I think I've seen clips of this because uh, um, I was born in about 92 so this is probably uh, way too back I only got into <laughs> boxing in the mid to early 2000s maybe not even earlier to mid to mid 2000s but I think this was the kind of changing of the guard I think from Chavez you, you went to De La Hoya when he beat him and he became the next kind of superstar from Mexico even though I think he was a Mexican-American co- compared to Chavez but I think this is where De La Hoya's marketability and name just rocketed and he went on to become one of the biggest box office and pay-per-view stars uh, of his era and I think this was the fight I think we'll always 
look back to where Delahoya made his name. I've seen clips of it. I think Delahoya showed how good he was and how talented in this fight. But yeah, I agree. Uh, Chavez was definitely on the slide. I think he was a shadow of Chavez, but nonetheless, he was still dangerous at that time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to go on now. And the 8th of June brings up some absolute corking ones. The first one was in 1985, and it was Barry McWigan beating Eusebio Pedroza in London to win the WBA featherweight title. Pedroza finally taken down in what was his 20th defence of his world title, seemingly invincible at this point in time as well. Barry McGuigan given no chance in hell of beating Pedroza in this one, but he pulled off one of the greatest victories, uh, obviously in Irish boxing history for sure, but in, in, in UK boxing history as an overall, you know, over this side of the world, it was fantastic for, for someone over these shores to do something like that. Back in a time where the, the lower divisions were, were really, really starting to come to fruition with your likes of your Ray Leonard's and your Hitman Hearns and your Durands, you know, all of them started to bring real shine to the lower weights and this was another fight which did the featherweight division an even lower weight which probably wasn't regarded as one of the, the greatest weights, you know, in boxing history but produced a fight like Barry McGuigan beating Pedroza over 15 rounds. 15 round fights we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. 15 round fights and smaller gloves. You know, imagine if that was like that today in boxing. I think we'd see some completely different fights in this day and age. But yeah, Barry McGuigan beating Pedroza in London in 1985. And the next one, I think, is one that really will appeal to yourself, Ahmed, because it was back in 2002 and it was Lennox Lewis knocking out Mike Tyson in eight rounds in Memphis, Tennessee to retain the world heavyweight title. And this was one that we did cover a little bit on the greatest heavyweights episode that we did a week or so ago. And it was a fight personally I will never forget because of that build up to it and if again if you listen to that episode you heard the clips that were through in there from Mike Tyson quite hilarious very infamous but this was a fight that will always stick out in my memory for sure because it was one of the most hyped heavyweight fights of of, of my life so far anyway that's for sure but going back to you then Hamid Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson back in 2002 go what did you think of it? I will never forget the build up for this fight I mean I was about 9 or 10 years old but the hype I wasn't even that big of a boxer fan I was actually a WWF wrestler fan but the hype was tremendous I, I remember, I'll never forget the day after the fight the, just the morning they're running up down the stairs putting on the news just to find out who won because it was on pay-per-view and at that time of the timing of the fight I was, I was too young to be staying up for that fight but I'll just never forget Like I was so intrigued because I think it was pulled back but I remember the hype was huge for that fight I'll never forget how big that fight was it definitely captured the imagination of the casual fans and fans of like you know who weren't even boxing fans fans of any sports and I was really hyped up for that fight and that was probably yeah the biggest fight that I remember in my generation until I think maybe Mayweather Pacquiao but I think that was probably just as big no it definitely was it was a, it was a fight that everybody wanted to see and everybody stayed up for and I think at the time I, I, I think I was about 16 at the time when this was on and I was so hyped and pumped for this you know I, I think I'd, I was just finishing my GCSEs I just finished high school you know I was a massive boxing fan at this point already and this was just a fight that got me so pumped for it that you know I, I'll never forget the press conference 
conferences. I'll never forget the line of stewards in <laughs> security in front of them all. I'll, n- I'll never forget the joint announcement, you know, Jimmy Lennon Jr. and Michael Buffer doing joint announcements from different TV networks. And I think it was the first time and the only time I can remember where they've, you know, two networks, TV networks have really come together and worked together in such a way to produce such a fight like it was. So, yeah, it was a really good one this week. And I've only picked a few out for this week because there is a few more. And if you look back through history, you will see things uh, that, are, that are really good to look at. But I wanted to leave it there for this week and move on and go to the final segment of this week's episode, which is the news and gossip section. So, news and gossip then, Hamed. You you wanted to kick this one off, I think, with the Triple G and Canelo situation, didn't you? Yeah, I think uh, we'll hear and ask Canelo said the fight between Golovkin and Canelo, the rematch, which was scheduled for me. But as we know, Canelo got uh, proper, I think it was clenbuterol. I think since then, uh, he had a hit. Uh, but they were trying to reschedule it for September. Uh, that would have been one year from the first fight. But the thing was, I think uh, Golovkin, because of the predicament he was put in with Canelo uh, failing a test and the whole situation with him, uh, you know, just a delay in his career and, uh, with the fight, I think uh, Golovkin demanded uh, 50-50. But I think De La Hoya and Canelo said, uh, whoever Canelo fights, you're not going to take 50-50. So I think the fight is probably dead. I've heard from a couple of sources and a couple of people posting that Tom Loeffler said he's still trying trying to negotiate but what I'm aware is that Canelo and uh, Goldeboy are trying to pursue the fight with Danny Jacobs I think this is a good plan I'd like to see the Danny Jacobs and Canelo fight I think uh, maybe uh, all of the uh, all of these middleweights the top 4-5 could fight each other and then maybe if Golovkin and Canelo have won their fight then if they could uh, reschedule their fight in May next year I think that might be a good idea I think at the moment Golovkin and K2 is promotion. I'm probably looking at trying to get the unification with Billy Joe Saunders because he's pulled out the fight with Martin Murray. I think it was a, a rumoured to be an injury, but some people have questioned whether it was a legitimate injury. Or I think he might have to go through with his uh, IBF mandatory challenge at uh, Sergei Derevchenko, which I, I think will be extra fight. I think if we get either two of those, and if we could get Canelo against uh, Danny Jacobs, I think that would set it up quite good uh, for them to then be, you know, be on a collision course and get a to get the rematch down the line with me. Yeah, well, I don't want to spend too much time on it because it, we, we kind of feel, I feel like I cover this off every single week because every single week there's always something coming out from different sources, <laughs> from different camps about whether this is going to, will she, won't she, will she, won't she. That's what it kind of feels like. It's, it feels a bit like a bit of a soap opera, to be honest with you. I think you see this much drama in your, your Coronation Street, so your EastEnders, with the, the way this goes on. But on a serious note, though, I, I, do I want to see the fight again? I'd like to. To, I'd like to see a, a definitive winner in it. Yes, of course I would, but I, I wouldn't be disappointed if we got a Danny Jacobs Canelo fight, or we got a D- Danny Jacobs Golovkin rematch, or we got a, you know a Spike O'Sullivan Golovkin fight or Canelo fight. I wouldn't really be too mad because I think whatever happens, we, we're going to see some good fights, and that's what we want to see. We just want to get a bit of an end to it, really. And whether they don't fight again, they don't fight again. And and, yeah. and I, I just I just want it to come to sort of an end, and you know it's, it just 
just kind of feels like they're just dragging it out now and it's for me it's getting a bit boring to be honest with you getting a bit boring and I actually I actually feel the same way I, I don't really want to see this fight September I'd rather Golovkin fight uh, Jacobs not Golovkin I mean Canelo fight Jacobs I think that'll be a big pay-per-view fight in America don't get me wrong I still think they both need each other Golovkin and Canelo to get to get the kind of business they did in the first fight I don't think any of the other guys are great dance partners in terms of from a business point of view but as a fan yeah I'm kind of sick of this I think it's just dragged on I'd rather see Canelo and Jacobs fight I want to see that fight I think those are arguably top three four middleweight and then you got Golovkin and Billy Joe Saunders if they could settle that that'll be a for all the belts and that'll be uh, that'll be a big unification I mean the winner of that will be the undisputed champion and then if you could marinate and get the two winners to fight each other I think that could be the end of the line and then I think we could get a definitive uh, undisputed middleweight uh, champion yeah I, I mean I, I prefer the Billy Joe and Golovkin fight if being honest with you I want to see an undisputed middleweight champion I want to see if Billy Joe can back it up after his performance against Lemieux a lot of people got, got a lot of people talking about could he do this against Golovkin well there's only one way to find out let's get it on boys let's get it on we want to see this and I hope it happens and I hope that's part of the reason why they ha- he had this, he has pulled out this week of the fight with Martin Murray and that, that's part of the reason although it's a bit it's not very good that he's had to do it if that is the reason but I can understand why if he's preserving his body and trying to keep himself as injury free as possible for a huge fight like that then I can kind of understand but you kind of feel sorry for Martin Murray that he's had two training camps and they've been wasted now and you know you're kind of hoping that you might get a fight soon and you might get something you know going on soon if you've if you've been looking at social media this week you'll have seen the the, the t- two of them slagging each other off in separate little videos about one of them Martin Murray calling Billy Joe a shithouse and then Billy Joe saying he's not a shithouse Martin Murray's a bum quite funny to watch to be fair <laughs> quite comical as always but yeah Billy Joe and Golovkin that'd be the one I'd want to say to be honest with you there's some breaking news just coming out on social media that it's been confirmed on the 28th of July there's going to be Dillian White against Luis Ortiz in a WBC final eliminator and I'm absolutely buzzing to see that jump on Twitter as we're recording this podcast that is absolutely fantastic news for Dillian White and what a fight what a fight that would be oh man Dillian White and Luis Ortiz what a great fight that's going to be I can't can't believe they've actually made this fight because I thought all along it was going to be uh, I thought all along their plan was going to be to fight Kubra Pulev and go down the IBF route. Exactly. I I think Dillian White deserves credit. I mean, people are just slagging him and saying he's ducking Luis Ortiz. For him to go down this route, I understand why they've done this. I think there's uh, someone touched into, I won't dwell on to it, on, I think it was New Age Boxing that I think Eddie Hearn failed to win the first bit and uh, the, the amount of money that they would have had to pay Kubra Pulev if they stayed the fight in the UK was the reason he didn't win the first bid. But for him to go over to, I think it was Germany or whatever, it was just business-wise, it didn't make sense. I think this is a good fight. I think we've probably got the better fight as well inside the ring. This is a cracking fight. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, there's supposed to be an official announcement tomorrow. It's only literally popped on Twitter as we've been recording it in the past half an hour as we've been recording. It's come up. But it does seem like there's also a a pay-per-view coming from this as well. And I've also heard rumours and seen rumours via social media in the past few 
few weeks that on the same night which inevitably looks like it's going to be the same bill Kel Brook's also going to make uh, another performance on that night he's going to return in that night and we're hoping to see him in with another big name you know we want to see him in with another big name on that night so a pay-per-view with Dillian White headlining against Louis Ortiz would be a cracking fight it gives him a guaranteed shot at Deontay Wilder then so maybe we, we would likely to see White and Wilder before we'd see Joshua and Wilder you never know it's boxing it's, it's, it's crazy how it always ends up turning out the way it does but Dillian White and Luis Ortiz and Akel Brook on the undercard yeah I'm pretty, I'm pretty already pretty looking forward to that one already I think it would be a really good one so that's a bit of breaking news coming to you already uh, people will I'll have already seen it on Twitter by the time they're listening to the episode but it's great to, to give our opinions on it as it's happening I've also seen as well Hamed that a fight announcement of Dimitri Bivol in the light heavyweight division defending his WBA title against former Tony Bellew opponent Isaac Chimbella which is a, a good opponent for Bivol at such a, an early stage of his career I have talked about Bivol in the past and I have said although he's only had I think it's about 12-13 fights I think he is ready for the big time good fight against Chimbella Chimbella did give Bellew a lot of problems in their first fight and I think it'll be a good fight to keep him active whilst we eventually wait for a potential fight with Kovalev in the future hopefully at the end of this year so Dimitri Bivol Hamed how much have you seen of Bivol do you think he's a talent and do you think he could step up and fight the likes of Kovalev soon I think Dimitri Bivol is the real deal if I'm being honest I think uh, I've seen enough of this guy I've seen him fight the first time I think it was against Cedric Agnew on the Kovalev award undercard I was sold on him but then when he what he done to Broadhurst I was like, I think he just needs someone on a level where, you know, he could show on a, a bit of a high level to show how good he is. And what he done to Sullivan Pereira was very impressive. I mean, for 12 rounds, he pummeled him from pillar to post and then he stopped him as well with something I, I don't think anyone has done before. And even Andre Ward couldn't do that. Uh, I think Bival is the real deal. I think this is a good fight. I don't think he's the best opponent, but for who's available, I think is not a bad fight. I mean, Chalemba gave Kovalev a very good fight. I think I'll his toughest fight before the Ward fight I think he was in Russia just before he fought Ward and I thought uh, I think Chalemba has never really been stopped I think only once when he fought in Kavazdik after but even that I think was on his tool if Pival could stop him and make another statement I mean uh, Pival will just only just add to his talent and I think he is heading towards probably the, the direction of being the best uh, light heavyweight I just think he'll probably after this fight he just need to get one of the big boys in with him with either Kovalev or if he could get Batubiev or the winner of uh, I think Adonis Stevens and Bandajak if they do have a rematch I'm not too sure if they schedule but uh, whoever out of those two then I think Bival could be the number one guy yeah, I'm, I'm completely sold on him yeah I think it will be a, a really good fight with Kovalev in the future and that's the one I kind of hope that they're vying it up for but it's really good to see him back in action back active again and that's what I'm excited about the fact that he's going to be back in again with someone who is a very good operator and a world operator so that's good to see him back in and if he can do a number like you say on Chimbella then he's kind of saying you know he is he is more than the real deal he's ready for the big time he's ready for these unification fights and another piece of news coming out this week is Joseph Parker's potential next opponent in his comeback trail after his loss to Anthony Joshua his promoter David Higgins has denied claims that Brian Jennings uh, is, is scheduled to fight him he's denied that they've actually had this deal agreed but he's also saying in the same sense that they are neg- negotiating a fight but they've also got an option of Alexander Ustinov as a comeback fight for Joseph Parker who 
for me, if, if I'm being honest about this situation and this bit of news, uh, I don't think it's the best course of action for Joseph Parker. I think he's proven for me that he, he's ready to jump back in with a big name. He, I think Brian Jennings, you know, he's lost to Klitschko. I don't, I don't think he's other than the sort of Klitschko fight off. He's had any major, major, you know, scalps on his record. And Ustinov fight again is another fighter who I think they kind of it just it's just a comeback fight. It's just a fight which they probably know he's going to win, and they're just putting him in there to re-establish himself again. But I don't think at this stage of his career he needs that. I think he needs to go back in now and get a big name straight away because he'll end up going back over to New Zealand and fighting in obscurity again. I mean, look at the way everybody turned out for the Parker and Joshua fight. It made Parker into a big celebrity over here, and he's been over here to fight Huey Fury in September last year, and he's such a nice guy. I have spoken to him at the press conferences and at the workouts, and he's such a nice guy, and I did feel for him when he lost to Joshua, but I would like to see him fight another big name, because I do think he has got a lot to offer the heavyweight division, and whilst he not, might not be you know, the, 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 the best in the division, he is still a really good fighter, and he is still a fighter that deserves another good shot, but a fight with Jennings or Ustinov is not really where I'd like to see him go. I'd like to see him in with the bigger name, but who else could you who else could you throw him in with now at this point? I mean, when you've got your likes of Wilder tied tied up and Ortiz fighting White and you know Joshua potentially fighting Wilder or Pavetkin or Jarrell Miller, you know who, who else could you see Parker in with now? I think uh, I was at the Joshua Parker fight. I think Parker arguably gave Joshua his toughest fight. I mean, he did go the distance. I think it's probably debatable uh, that Klitschko probably did give him his toughest fight. Or Klitschko did get stuck. I was going to say, is Goody's back straight away? Because it's only been a couple of months since that fight. If they could get this fight with is it Brian Jennings or... I think Jennings may be marketable-wise, business-wise, might be a better fight. If they could get Jennings in America, then I think that could be a good... Uh, fight or oh, if he's used enough then uh, I'm not really I don't really like that fight too much, too much and I'm not really too interested but I, if he's as soon as possible and if they could get that fight out the way and if he just wants to just get a win under his belt then that will be good I think I'd like to see him fight someone like Jarrell Miller or maybe Povetkin if if Joshua and uh, Povetkin don't fight then I wouldn't mind seeing Parker and Povetkin yeah I think that'd be a good fight actually to be fair I think I, I agree with you on that one I think I'd like to see that one as well well I want to move on then there's a couple of other bits of news before we call it uh, an evening and we've got Chris Eubank Jr potentially could return to face John Ryder on the undercard of George Groves in the Callum Smith World Boxing Super Series Super Middleweight Final but it's been talked about in the last couple of weeks about Eubank Jr potentially replacing George Groves but now he's been confirmed as medically fit to fight we're actually going to get the final we deserve but it'll be interesting to see if Chris Eubank Jr will come back and will face John Ryder who's in an absolute wonderful spell of form at the moment after beating Patrick Nielsen and beating Jamie Cox a couple of weeks back I think that'll be a really good fight for for, for both men good comeback fight tough comeback fight for Eubank Jr a massive opportunity to get another scalp on his record for John Ryder and on a really big stage as well and, and potentially a win against someone like Eubank Jr now really could propel him to a world title shot and I think that's what he will be pushing for John Ryder in this one but what do you make of that news then Newman Jr and John Ryder on the uh, World Boxing Super Series undercard I think that's 
that's good that they're trying to get on the World Boxing Super Series undercard rather than uh, rather than Eubank as a replacement in the final. I think that would have been disappointing. I think is is a good fight. I think I mean Eubank is definitely going to drop a level back now from because uh, he lost to Groves and he looked quite bad in that fight. I think it's a good matchup. I, I wanted to see this fight when Eubank lost to Billy Joe Saunders. After that, I thought he should have fought uh, John Ryder somewhere before he uh, fighted. I think was it for the IBO title and then. He won that. Yes. But I thought he should have fought uh, right a uh, couple of fights back. But I think it's a good fight if they can get this beat. I think uh, I think Eubank is the favourite. I think the rider will be underdog and probably will have to uh, step up a level for him to beat someone like Eubank. But I would I certainly want to ride off rider. I've seen rider give Billy Joe Saunders a good fight, and I've seen him done do very good against other fighters as well. Well, there's only uh, one real piece of news I wanted to sort of end the sh- the, sh- the show on today, um, and it's it's not really. It's not news in the sense of it's good news. It's it's really sad news, and I think it's it's very public knowledge about what happened uh, yesterday with the shooting over at the Bray Boxing Club over in Ireland, and Katie Taylor's father, who runs it, Peter Taylor, being among the three people who was injured during the shooting at the club, and unfortunately, one man had passed away as a result of it. And it's just such a shame that these these types of things happen. I mean, I know there's there's tragedy and there's you know stuff that goes on across the world that never gets reported in the media, and it's really really sad that it happens to humanity but it's it's a piece of news in the boxing world that I think needs to be definitely needs to be addressed in terms of the fact that it seems a bit ridiculous I mean you don't expect to go to a boxing club do it you know to train one day and and, and someone just turn up there randomly start shooting at people it just seems a bit silly but I know there's always a lot of political tensions over in Ireland and and things of that nature which kind of can cause situations uh, not so much like this but situations that could involve things like these happening so it's really really sad to see that and I think what makes it more uh, prominent in the news is the fact that it is actually Katie Taylor's father who runs that club and was also injured in it and that's why it's so well reported because something like this you wouldn't normally expect it to be reported as heavily as it has but it's because it's Katie Taylor's father so that's that's pretty sad uh, to, to, to hear about that this week and also just a note to the passing of Brendan Ingle and Dean Francis also in the past week which I've not touched on and um, you know really really sad to see two great people in the boxing world leave this leave this world and you know the Brendan Ingle just touching briefly on him you know produced the likes of Johnny Nelson you know you got your Kel Brook you got Nazim Hamed one of my favourite fighters of all time there producing fighters like that and it's really sad to see him depart this world and the same with uh, Dean Francis who unfortunately yeah, lost his battle to cancer and, and another guy who had some really really great fights over the years so just wanted to sort of leave that little note in there at the end of this podcast but Hamed I'll come over back to you now just before we call it a day and is there any other bits of news and gossip that you want to put across in the podcast this week? Uh, I I just wanted to say about Brendan Ingle, that was really sad I think, uh, when I was just growing up, I always uh, seen him as uh, one of the most respected uh, trainers in boxing, like what he done with Naz and I think arguably one of the greatest trainers probably to come out of Ireland uh, I mean, the job he done in the Winterbank gym in Sheffield was tremendous the, the way he educated and disciplined a lot of these fighters from a young age was quite touching, I mean just the tributes I paid him, my 
thoughts are with his family and uh, it was quite sad. I mean, uh, Brendan Ingle has been ill for a while. Like, we haven't really been able to hear or see him receive uh, many, like, interviews from him in the last couple of years because he's been so, like, ill. But uh, he, he was a great figure for British boxing and uh, Ireland as well. And he'll be a uh, big miss. And uh, same for Dream Francis as well. I think that was a sad lot. But I can't think of anything else. Uh, I don't think there's... I think we've touched on everything we covered. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think there's uh, not a lot more we can touch on this week, and I hope you really enjoy listening to this episode. And obviously, Hamed, thank you very much for coming on. It was very last minute, and I know you've been really looking forward to coming on this the podcast at some point. And I'm glad the opportunities arose for you to come on, and it's been really really good to listen to your thoughts, your opinions on some of these big fights that are coming up, and some of the news and gossip that we've had to talk about today. So, I, I, obviously, to the listeners, you guys, you the guys that are making this happen really you the guys that are listening to it every single week you're sharing it across social media you're leaving us great feedback so you know where to find us now it's at btr boxing pod on twitter beyond the ropes boxing podcast on facebook you can find us on itunes you can find us on soundcloud stitcher Castbox, podbean all great available podcasting apps you can find us on there you can also find our other platform which is eat sleep boxing repeat a lot of you who already listen to this podcast know about that get yourself over to there because there will be a lot of stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks with all the shows that are going on and Hamed final word for you thank you very much for coming on my pleasure and I look forward to listening to this episode and any future episodes and I hopefully uh, I will be honoured to come back on this uh, podcast Hamed it's been a pleasure thank you for coming on and to all you listeners like I say get it liked get it shared get it subscribed thanks for listening and we'll speak to you next week In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you.